Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Well, John, we've been talking about it. The Saints have just been kind of rolling right along, even with the Drew Brees injury. They bring in Taysom Hill. Sean Payton's been coaching them up. They've been winning on defense. Just playing really, really good football, all three phases. And this was the game where it kind of came undone, right? And there's going to be a lot of things for Saints fans to be upset about. You've been writing about it over the last few days on Saints Wire. This is a, a, a tough 24-21 loss to a bad Eagles team. I think that's what it is. It's a bad Eagles team starting a rookie quarterback. The Saints lose this ball game, and there's all kinds of fallout now. we got to question the quarterback, Taysom Hill. We will. we got to question whether the Saints can take care of business to get the number one seed in the NFC. I think that's very much in jeopardy now. The defense gives up a 100-yard rusher for the first time, breaking a 55-game streak. So there's so many layers to this, John. Where do you want to start? Like, What do you have beef with the most with this Saints loss to the Eagles? Man, it was just really a failure in three acts. Um, the offense floundered. The defense um, gave them probably their worst game in several months. And even even the special teams uh, unit fell apart. They're, they're in the kicking game. Um, it was just all across the board. The Saints started flat. They didn't have any energy. Um, they couldn't get the pass rush going against an Eagles O-line that has just been devastated by injuries um, that, that lost an all-pro. And Jason Peters, uh, days before the game. Yeah. And the Saints, they just couldn't seize on any opportunities. And really, that was the storyline there late. Even after they managed to rally back, after they made their adjustments at halftime, they got the fumble off of Jalen Hurts late in the game to recover and set up that, that quick touchdown pass. And then they picked probably the best onside kick that you, you could hope for. And they got one of their best special teams players, linebacker Greg Robertson, in position. He has his hands on the football, and he couldn't make it out of the scrum with it in his hands, and the Eagles t- took it away. And the Saints, they just could not capitalize on these opportunities. And we had that over and over again. you got Taysom Hill missing wide-open receivers running downfield. Uh, you've got uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson dropping an interception that he could have taken to the house for a pick six. The Saints had opportunities to win this football game, uh, despite how badly it started, and they just could not seal the deal. And that, that's very frustrating to watch uh, for Saints fans, and it's going to be really tough for them to bounce back from this, um, especially if they're, if they're still holding out hope for that first seed in the NFC. One of the things that really came across in your writing on the Saints Wire, John, and on your Twitter account is on Sean Payton. I've been singing Sean Payton's praises for weeks. I think he's just... He's had a hell of a year. I think for them, like we talked about last week, for them to just plug in Taysom Hill, groom their next quarterback, their quarterback of the future, and just continue to win ball games while Taysom Hill's kind of figuring it out has just been kind of remarkable. And I've I've been saying that over the you know over the last few weeks. 
But this is a game where did Sean Payton get out coached by Doug Peterson? Like, is this what happened? And you wrote about it and you were very pointed. You think he got out coached. You did not like the game plan. They seemed to tailor the offense around Taysom Hill. They didn't really let him run the football where we saw what Jalen Hurts did to the Saints. You kind of felt like Taysom Hill could have done that to the Eagles if they just would have let him try. So you have some serious beef with the game plan, right? Maybe on both sides of the ball, but specifically on the offensive side. You also said it was a bad week of preparation, too, uh, in, in your writing. Yeah, let, let's start from the top. The, the very first play of the game is the design screen pass to Davius Murray. Uh, they're on, on the left side of the field in, in the flat. Um, Andrews Peak whiffs on a block in, in the open field. That's one of his best plays. That's one of, that is something he hangs his hat on. That's something the Saints pointed to when they signed him to this five-year, $57.5 million extension with how good he is in the screen game. And Andrews Peak blows the tackle in that moment and drops Latavius Murray for a loss of yards, and the Saints are stuck playing from behind from there on out. They have an Alvin Kamara run for a short gain on the next play, and then they just have to go with the check down to, to AK uh, just to try and give Thomas Morrison enough room to punt the ball away on their opening concession. And it started from the very first moments there. Um, Taysom Hill, we, we've seen him attempt a variety of passes during his first uh, three starts going into this game, that's number four. One area that he consistently struggled to connect in was on these screen passes. He has no touch, no feel. Um, he's, he's a one-speed thrower. He's a lot like Colin Kaepernick in that regard, except mm. he's 30, not 24, when he's starting for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so, in, in that, he, Both of those guys, uh, Taysom and Cap, they're both one-speed throwers. Um, all, they, all they know is the Falcon punch, where they, 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 they load up and they throw the ball, they throw a rocket as, as hard as they can, and God help the receiver if, if they can't reel it in, which is what we saw with Camaro on the on the interception later in the game, where they attempted another screen to AK and Taysom put too much heat on the throw right. and it yep. bounced off of Camaro's hands Definitely. and it was intercepted by the Eagles' defense. Yep, Taysom cannot make those throws on screens that Drew Brees has perfected and made into an art form with Camaro. He just he just does not have the instincts and the feel as a, as a thrower to to make those throws any consistency. And for some reason, Peyton was determined to stick with it throughout the game. Uh, they continued running these screens. They got nothing out of them, but they kept at it. And to me, that just shows a lack of ability to to adjust on the fly like that. Now, now the Saints, the offense did perform better in the second half. Phil, uh, he did finish the game with almost 300 passing yards. And he, he does deserve credit for um, rallying back the way he did. But they were only in that position because Sean Payton made so many mistakes with the plays he was calling and because Taysom Hill was missing so many reads early on in the game to where he, he really couldn't execute the offense with any efficiency. Um, one issue I really take beef with here is that the Saints are not allowing Hill to play to his strengths as a runner. They're, they're not allowing him to take off and run when, when the open throw isn't there. Um, they're, instead, they're asking him to dump, check down to Kamara, who, again, Hill has had trouble connecting with. They're not allowing him to make plays with his legs, to use that athleticism. Uh, the best takeaway I saw on Twitter from this game was that Jalen Hurts played like the quarterback John Payton thinks Taysom Hill can be. Mm. And it, it's so frustrating to, to see. And to me, that suggests that, that Payton didn't do a great job preparing the Saints for this game throughout the week. The real hallmark of that is – how poorly the Saints played on, along the line of scrimmage on the, both sides of the football. Um, the defensive line, they didn't have a single defender rack up more than two pressures all day long. 
um, for, for, for football focus on the defense. Um, I know Marcus Davenport and Trey Hendrickson, uh, they, they dyed their hair bleached blonde um, for, for, for this week for some reason. I guess they're going <laughs> Super Saiyan um, for the Dragon Ball heads out there. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't do anything with it. Uh, Trey Hendrickson was the second worst, second lowest graded defender um, on the team by PFF. You know that they really did not make the most of this opportunity, and the same holds true on offense. Where again, you've got Andrews Pete is, is a weakness. Uh, he's making that big contract look awful. That's why I spent my Monday afternoon researching just how soon the Saints can get out of that deal that they signed nine months ago. It, it, it's, it's frustrating, and hopefully, this can be a fulcrum that they can shift off of, and they can really buckle down and, gosh, and to show up with better effort against Kansas City. It was a bust. It was a bust in a lot of different ways. We'll continue talking about it first. Here's some fantasy advice from the huddle.com. Now, Taysom Hill had a good fantasy day, as uh, as uh, John just said. He had a good fantasy day. He may have bailed out people in their fantasy playoffs, but the Saints needed a little bit better. It doesn't help getting down 17 nothing early. But here's your fantasy ad- advice for week 15 from the huddle.com. John and I will be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, made his NFL debut as a starter last week and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury. And Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020 and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR set. Herb Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games with various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out the huddle.com just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek hennigan from the detroit free press a new podcast set in the woods of michigan's upper peninsula 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. John, you were just talking about it before the break, and it's really jarring. Jalen Hurts, 18 carries, 106 yards rushing. Taysom Hill, 5 carries for 33. And it makes you wonder, like, and you said, you talked about the game plan Sean Payton have, had. You, you told me it was, it was kind of like taking off the training wheels with Taysom Hill and letting him try to beat the Eagles as a passer. Maybe Sean Payton was being stubborn in that game plan or what? And is it possible that Payton, John, is worried about the fumbling with Taysom Hill? Maybe he doesn't want him running around with the football as much because we, we could talk about this as well. He's fumbled 10 times in 13 games, right? And he's, he's only started four times as the quarterback. He's one of the, the worst fumble offenders in the league. Derek Carr is the number one fumbler in the league, by the way. But uh, Hill is up there as well. What's your concern level with his ball security running the football? And do you think that gives Sean Payton any pause for doing more of these design runs? Or do you think it was just Sean Payton being stubborn and being like, no, he can throw. This is how we're going to win the game. We're going to stick to it. I know that Payton is frustrated with Hill's ball security issues, and he should be. I mean, Hill, there's three games left to play. Hill's already fumbled 10 times, and he is in danger of eclipsing Aaron Brooks for the, for the most fumbles in a single season in franchise history. Uh, my, my favorite um, Saints fan conspiracy theory right now is that Sean Payton threw this game. So there's two things that play here. Number one is the, the Breeze report, that, that Sunday morning, that Sunday splash report is what Payton calls them himself, yeah. um, where all the national guys all at once started talking about how, hey, uh, Breeze might not be available for, for Kansas City. Um, all of a sudden, this game is awful important here. Um, this might, this Eagles game suddenly has, a, has much more importance attached to it. Um, the Saints really can't afford to drop this loss, and they did. And so now the Saints really need to buckle down for this Chiefs game because hey, they, they may not, they may not have number nine. Post game comments from Peyton, he's calling out dudes by name, which he never, never ever does. Huh. Um, he's calling out Taysom Hill. He's calling out Will Lutz. He's ta- he's calling out defenders. He doesn't do that. If he has an issue with somebody, he goes to them one on one privately. He doesn't do this. He take these kinds of shots through the media unless it's serious. And, you know, he, he's a Parcells disciple. And, I mean, you, you saw all the wacky motivational things that Parcells did over the years sure. to get, get his locker room dialed in. And Sean Payton would not be above throwing a game like this if it meant getting his guys laser focused on these last three weeks before the playoffs. For me, the rebuttal is like, but you need to beat the Eagles. Like, you don't want to throw that. That loss hurts in the quest yeah, the, for the number one seed. So that one hurts. Yeah, that, that, that's my take on it too. Because like, I, I would understand doing this for the Chiefs game more than the Eagles game because this is a this is a conference game. Um, this if you if losing this Eagles game costs you the division for at least a week, and so now that Chiefs game is is a must win, which it kind of already was before, but now even even more so. And I'm just not sure that. I mean, Sean Payton does a lot of needlessly risky stuff. Um, he lost a game to the Jets the last time they played them in like 2013, 2014, because his final play of the game was a fourth and three reverse handoff to a blocking tight end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, he, he's not above making these needlessly risky calls. Um, and we've seen it again over and over. And it, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's enough evidence to pack up the theory that he threw this Eagles game. But I, I would love to be reading his memoirs 30 years from now and and find that little aside in, in, in there about, about oh, yeah, that, this one time in the 2020 season, I, uh, I decided to stir the pot a lot and 
really light a fire under everybody to ask what we said. Oh, man. Who knows? That, Who knows? That we'll, we'll see. Lots of fun. Never. Wild. Yeah, that is wild. I'm telling you, man, I've, I've never had a normal week covering the Saints. It has never <laughs> happened. Um, it, it just it goes off the rails with, with the quickness. Let's talk about the defensive side of the football, John. Uh, does it bother you at all that the Saints kind of got you know, run on by this rookie quarterback. Now, I do, I, I do like Jalen Hurts. I, I kind of liked him in college, too. I thought that was a, a, a neat little thing that he did, going from Alabama to Oklahoma and really being a stud quarterback on both of those teams, right? Two different systems, leading both of those teams up in the rankings, obviously leads Oklahoma to the back to the football playoffs. So he's a stud, and you could tell by the way he carried himself. You could almost tell when they were showing that B-roll you know, the, the networks are showing the B-roll of Hertz pregame warming up. And you just look at him and you're like, ooh, man, there's something about He's got a swagger, a confidence that not a lot of rookies have. You know, you look at Jalen Hurts and you're like, ooh, he's scary. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to face this kid. And he re- he balled out in this game. He did. And one thing that the Saints have been leading on is that defense. They've been able to just shut teams down, do it, whatever the Saints need. Their defense has been able to supply it for them. Now, it's not like they got absolutely, you know, crushed in this game. But you get down 17 nothing. They played better in the second half, but they still gave up another touchdown there that really you know, made it tough and, and put the game out of reach. And the Saints made a good run at the end, but still, they didn't you know, make a game-swinging play by any means. What do you think about the Saints against a rookie quarterback? You might have wanted to see them dominate a little bit better on that side of the ball. Yeah, you, you would like to see that, uh, but you know, I, I, was a, I was a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Um, probably two-thirds of the Saints mock drafts I, had, I did this year had, had him going to New Orleans. Um, I followed his career from Alabama to Oklahoma. Um, once upon a time, he, he, he was the runner up for the national, uh, freshman quarterback of the year award behind Sam Darnold at USC. Yeah. Um, he, he was a great, great college quarterback, um, a great prolific runner, um, there in both of his stops. And there aren't many NFL venues bigger than what he saw at Alabama and Oklahoma and then the college football playoff. So I, I was not really expecting him to react, to respond like a typical overwhelmed rookie rookie QB. It's very disheartening to see the Saints run defense fall apart the way it did. Yeah. Now, we've known for a while that they have issues defending these running QBs. Um, at one point, Matthew Stafford had his longest run of the year against the Saints uh, defense, <laughs> and he is not really known for being a guy who likes to get up and move around a lot. No. So we really saw that come to a head here against Jalen Hurts. Gosh, it, the one area that the Saints run – the Saints defense has been able to hang their hats on no matter how, how many passing yards they're giving up, no matter how bad the, the uh, defensive pass interference fouls have been. The one area they've been able to point to over and over again over the last few years was their run defense. And the wheels came off against Philadelphia. Uh, Hurts, as he said, he had over 100 yards rushing. So did Eagles running back Miles Sanders. Either one of those performances would have snapped the Saints' 55-game streak of games played without allowing a hundred yard rusher on that. That's the longest in the Super Bowl era. And it's dead. It's gone. It's buried. Uh, we're never going to mention it again. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, that was kind of a fun stat. You know, that was a, that was a fun one. Rest in peace to it. Yep, uh, yep, hopefully exactly. they can get back on track Start over. here against, <laughs> against KC. Yeah. You know, Hertz, he, I think he made the most of his pass attempt. Um, the Saints were not able to really rattle him with their pass rush. And he was able to, make the throws that he needed to against them. Um, Alshon Jeffrey only had one catch in this game, but it happened to be a 15-yard touchdown to uh, put Philly out in front early on. And as we saw, that was a lead that the Saints were not prepared to compete against, uh, that they were not able 
to close that deficient and ultimately it cost them the win. Now, this loss hurts in a... Ooh, that's kind of a cool little pun there, John. You proud of me? This loss hurts for the Saints in a lot of different ways. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, but I think in, there's just one part of it that I think stings the most. There's just one aspect that's really a killer, and it could have long-term effects for the rest of this season. Let's talk about that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin, lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against the Bengals team. They beat 36-10 to in Week 10. Give me the Steelers, minus 12. They win by two scores. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, John, the one thing that I've been kind of watching simultaneously is the Saints and the Packers, right? I mean, this has been a kind of a fun two-team race for the top seed in the NFC. I think both of these two teams kind of separated themselves a few weeks ago, and it's really been Saints and Packers. And really, what this Saints loss does is it triggers that Green Bay tiebreaker, that loss to Green Bay earlier in the year. And now the Saints have to try to catch the Packers who have a really soft schedule here over the last three weeks. Now, the Packers do have to play the Titans. That's not the easiest game by any means, but it is at Lambeau Field. I think they'll be favored in that game. Other than that, the the Packers really do. They have a soft schedule. You need to win, probably have to win out if you're the Saints, and hope the Packers drop one to get that first round bye. And it's really looking now like the Saints will end up as the number two seed. I feel like now the odds-on favorite for the number one seed is the Packers. And to lose that game... Before the Chiefs game, right? I think we thought a loss could be coming against KC, especially if Breeze couldn't go. But for them to lose before the KC game, that really stings, right? And now I think you're kind of in a tough spot for that number one seed. It's going to hurt if they don't get that first round by because they were in control of it and now they're not. Yeah, I know the Saints are mathematically still alive to get that first seed. I just don't buy that it's going to happen. I agree. Um, in my mind, in my mind, the best they can hope for is the two seed. And which they have right now, and that would put them up for a first-round matchup with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, and that would not, not that would be a fun game uh, as an unbiased spectator. But I don't really like the Saints' chances in that, especially um, a- after Arizona added uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So in, in my mind, the Saints are really, really their focus right now is locking up the NFC South. They could have done it Sunday. They could have done it if 
the awful Minnesota Vikings kicker hadn't missed uh, like three <laughs> field goal tries. Another bad uh, they week for done it if they had made it. It was a bad, bad week for kickers. Um, Will Lutz, man, uh, head, head on a swivel. Yep. The salary cap is crashing down next year. Your contract <laughs> is um, it, it, it's appealing, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, not not to lose sight of all this. Um, in <laughs> my mind, the Saints they need to focus. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Saints they've got to focus on winning the NFC South. They can do that just by winning one game. Right. They just got to win one of their next three games, and they've got it. If they lose out, there is an opportunity for for the Bucks to find a way to upset them. Gosh, you just look at how how it shakes out. Maybe, maybe. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers soft defense finds a way to give up a game to Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry over the next two weeks. Maybe Teddy Dugloves can step up for us here on Sunday at Lambeau. And that would put the Saints back in the running for that, for that one seed, but I just don't see Green Bay losing both of those matchups, much less their Week 17 game with the Bears, um, who haven't beat them in like 9,000 years or however, or however long it's been. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't see it, I don't see it most, most, Yeah, most overrated rivalry in the NFL. That, that's another <laughs> true, story for true, another yeah. day. you got to be um, good on both sides for it to be a rivalry, right, John? Like, come on. Exactly, exactly. And so the, the Saints, they, they, they've got it tough. Um, I don't see them beating the Chiefs right now, especially if Drew Brees is still on the sidelines for another week, which is what was reported um, by – Everybody, um, I'm sure Sean Payton sent that text out early Sunday morning to Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer and everybody else in, in, in the media, where, where they all reported it one after the next that Breeze is expected to be questionable at best against the Chiefs here on here on next Sunday. The good news is the Saints have a couple of winnable games after that. They, they've got a matchup with the Vikings on Christmas Day. Um, that should should be a fun one, yep. um, especially if uh, primetime national broadcast Kirk Cousins shows up again. And if nothing else, they've got a game at Carolina to close out the regular season. Uh, that's somewhere they've won often in, in recent years. It's against the QB they know well um, and Teddy, and they should be able to pull that one off. But uh, like, like we just said, uh, the Packers, they have a much more favorable slate ahead of them. And I really would anticipate Green Bay locking up that one seed here in the next week or two. Now it's tough. You'd like to still be in that number one spot heading into this game with the Chiefs because I, I agree with you, John. This is going to be a tough one. The Chiefs are twelve and one. Mahomes might be the MVP. It's either him or Rodgers at this point. And I don't think the Chiefs have been like dominating teams. They're they're not that team. But ever since that Super Bowl, they've kind of showed like even if you get a lead on them, and I think Miami had a little lead on them this past weekend. Even if you get a lead on them, that lead disappears quick. They close out games, right? Like, if it's close in the fourth quarter, they close it out. They, they make the plays they have to do. That's just – those are the Super Bowl champs right there. That's a tough team to knock off. What's your leadoff thought on this matchup? It's just the Chiefs are so tough. They feel like they're gettable. But then you get into these late games, and they just close it. And, man, if it's Taysom Hill versus Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to like that matchup, right? I mean, you almost think, are the Saints going to try to get Drew Brees back, even if he's not 100%, you know – it's how, how do you rush back when you've broken all of your ribs? So, I mean, that's hard. But, I mean, it's like without Breeze, I, I, it's hard to like their chances. Uh, Taysom played okay in that second half, but we saw a few things that it, it gives you pause when you're going up against, you know, Pat Mahomes. Is, there's no one doing it like him right now. So it, it's definitely a tough one coming up. What do you think about it? Yeah, so just from um, the Vegas perspective here, um, I do think it's going to be close. Um, right now, my my prediction is Chiefs 27, Saints 25. I think the Saints find enough ways to get enough stops to keep it close and to 
really can beat in this game, even if Taysom is the guy. Um, the Chiefs have looked very vulnerable for the last two months or so. Um, the Dolphins hit them with their best shot. Uh, they intercepted Mahomes twice in the first half. They dropped him for a 30-yard loss on a sack. <laughs> that was a wild um, play, right? It, it was such a wild just, just sequence of events right there, um, and they just couldn't seal the deal. They, they, just, they just couldn't put up enough points to – really secure their lead early early on, and the Chiefs made them pay for it. I, I see enough ways for the Saints offense to take advantage of the Chiefs' defense. I don't think the Chiefs have enough dogs in the, second or, in the secondary to compete with the Saints. I think that Tyron Matthew is someone that the Saints know how to, know how to bully um, with the right matchups. What worries me is what might happen up front. The Chiefs have one of the best defensive and interior defensive linemen Call him an end or attack, whatever, I don't care. Chris Jones, Mississippi State Bulldogs legend, is one of the best defensive tackles in the game right now, and he's going to be matched up with either a rookie right guard who has played very badly this year, and uh, Cesar Ruiz, who leads the Saints in pressures allowed, or he's going to be matched up with the left guard, Andrew Speet, who has played very badly this year and ranks just behind Ruiz in pressures allowed on the season so far. Um, so Chris Jones could be a game, a game breaker here, just like um, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox were for uh, Philly this past weekend, and just like Everson Griffin was for the Vikings back in January. Um, the Saints, their biggest weakness on offense right now is that interior offensive line, and that's the same flaw they had in the playoffs last year that got them a first-round exit. Um, they have not been able to fix that, and I think I really think it's going to get in their way often. Um, we'll have to see how they adjust to it, how they mitigate the damage there. But you know, just, just taking stock of where both teams are, where their arrows are trending, I, I don't see a I don't see a Saints win coming here. Or if they do manage to pull it off, it's going to be very close. But I do agree with you. the The hook is interesting. The hook, the three and a half. I could easily see this being a field goal kind of game. You said two points. I could see that. So that's interesting. It, I, I might have to look at say like if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, maybe you look at Saints getting points at home. Like that seems favorable. The Saints are a really good team, and the Chiefs played the Bucks to a three point game. Like you said, John, they played a lot of close games this year. A lot of them. Yeah, they played the Patriots pretty close when they had Brian Hoyer out there playing like complete hot garbage. So, uh, you know, I, I obviously watched that game as a Patriots guy. I mean, it's been a tough year for me. But, uh, yeah, so the, the, three, <laughs> the three and a half is interesting. That half a point, maybe you think about taking the home team with the points. I don't know. But we're, it's only Monday night here. So you're, you're still unpacking the Saints loss. And I know the Saints fans need you right now. They're, they're thirsty. They're thirsty for all your commentary and your, uh, and your stats and You've been putting the Saints in their place very well, John, over the past few days, so I'm going to let you get back to it. I uh, appreciate it, man. We're, um, gosh, we're, we, you know, they're not so much thirsty as much as they've got the, the torches and pitchforks out. Yeah, 100%. And I've really just, I've really just got, I just got to keep finding the next straw man for them to burn so that it's not me uh, getting tied to the stake. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it rolling and uh, we'll see how things go against Kansas City and recap it next week. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. Join us next week on the Saints Wire podcast. See you later. USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.